previously on the Simply Human podcast. So what's the functionality of his movement as he's doing everything? You know, so look, getting an opportunity to kind of peek in and see how's he deadlifting, how's he squatting, and then going beyond that into how's he driving his car. He sits, he, he drives you know, all day, he sits all day. Bam, now we're talking. It's episode 98 of the Simply Human podcast with your host, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is Dr. Judson Brewer, Director of Research for the Center for Mindfulness. Really cool conversation. It sounds like uh, the name of the place uh, is Center for Small Ants or whatever from the... Uh... Or from Seinfeld, it's like the human, the human fund. But it's very <laughs> actually yeah. very interesting conversation. Yeah. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Human Thing Human segment with Dr. Pseudonym. We hadn't really hmm. come up with a pseudonym. I think that's uh, Scotch Romanian. <laughs> yeah. His parents were a word next. Yeah. And we're up with our Human Human Kid. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mark? I'm doing all right. Um, we had a listener, Adam Brennan, who's been on the show. He's the one who told the story about sitting there with the doctor while he was giving advice on a vaginal. Um, oh, yeah. What was that? What is that called? Oh. Uh, a vaginal. Um, You're just ex- trying to say that word over and over again. <laughs> ex- you know, it makes me uncomfortable. Ex- <laughs> a vaginal exam is what it was. And so he texted me the other day and was like, "Hey, here's some, here's something good for crosstalk." And I I thought it was good. We kind of sort of covered it um, mm. when we were talking about we were reading an email in a humans being human about this a guy at a at a barbecue. And he was going in. He went into the bathroom. Mm, and didn't yes, that's right. And he that's right. and he sat to pee, and we sort of just kind of went over it. So let's let's. Th- there are a couple things we need to get to here. First of all, there is urinating in private. Well, I guess you always urinate in private. If that, well, no, unless you're weird and like privately, I guess is what I'm saying. Like you're not like standing on top of a on a stage with a spotlight on you urinating. Maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's how you end your shift every every day. Um, oh, I have a Rick's cop corner too, but we'll get to that. Um, All right. Okay. So when you when you urinate like in your own home, there's a way that it's that people do it, and then if like you're in a gas station or at a restaurant, what are you getting at? So it's like okay. First of all, if you're at home, do you sit or oh, stand? Yes. Oh yeah. Because it because it's yeah. what it, it it's easier to aim. It, well, like right now I have me and both of my boys on the sitting to pee method because right. uh, we're not to keep talking about this every single episode, but we're trying to sell the house, so I'm trying to keep it clean. I'm basically competing in the world's complete, uh, world's cleanest house competition three times a week, and so to minimize any possibility that I'll have to do extra cleaning, I'm like, hey, we are now a sit down to pee family, uh, and also I will say that generally speaking. That would probably be a far better method. I wish we had the infrastructure in this in this country to rip out urinals and add more stalls, but I think we'd run into the problem that women have, and that's there's always long lines for the bathroom. So that's the convenience of standing up. But uh, in our house, we sit down, and I might uh, I might be a forever sit downer. Yeah, hey, very rarely, unless I'm like out in my backyard, I will I, I will stand and just go in the backyard. Yeah. Um, but okay. But here, but here's that. the thing about public. Is that not normal behavior, by the way? Because um, I get a lot of heat for that when I talk from about who? that. Oh, you sit women. Down to pee. From women is who you get heat from. No, like guys. They're like, oh, you sit down to pee. That's that's. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, peeing in the backyard. Oh, oh, no, I don't. Yeah, that's totally normal. I've yeah. done I've done okay. that since I learned to pee. Right. 
Yeah. 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 Of um, course. Women are jealous. Well, there was, uh, speaking of uh, peeing in the backyard, so we have like, you know, this neighborhood where people walk and stuff. And so there was this <laughs> family like walking out and, and, uh, Halen comes, my six year old comes running outside and she was like, Dad, like really loud. She was like, You're peeing. And I was like, Shh. And she was like, Why did you say shush? Like, She's like screaming, like, Why? You don't want me to say you're peeing. I was like, What? I'm peeing. Um, okay, so then, okay, then here's the issue with public urinals. And this was Adam's point. They, mm-hmm. they, they splatter. Yes, everywhere. It's, it's, it's a horrible way to pee. It gets all over your shoes. He he told the story. He texted me this. He's like at this you know business lunch. He's wearing like a suit because he's Mister Buy Sell Buy Sell. And it like he he gets back to the table and like looks down and there's like pee splattered all over his pants and his shoes. Yeah, you have to like aim it down directly into the into water. The water is that? But then but the water. But some of them don't have like the hole where the water is. Some of them have like a pad and Ugh. like a. Like a like a little the like urinal mint smell good like, thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Is that what it's, you're? It's stupid. It's it's stupid. Is that like a mint for your pillow? Like when you get done peeing, you're supposed to pick that thing up and put it in your mouth. Yeah, is that how that works? Yeah, that's exactly what okay. you do, the mark. So yeah, because some of them have like the deep water, then some of them have the yeah. It's it, we, I don't know. We need to come up as a society a different way to pee. Then like women, like Europe I, is banning men standing up to pee in some places. Well, that's genius. Well, I see like, these, you know, little, little like the the sign with like a, a yes. man standing up to pee with like the Ghostbusters slasher, <laughs> yes. and then like a picture of a man sitting. It's not a photograph; it's a cartoon of a man sitting down to pee with like a thumbs up. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can we all just get beyond yeah. the? Huh, you sit down to pee, right. you then, girl. Well, then like the, we, the, I would rather sit down to pee because it's. Less messy. Then the unisex bathrooms, like for the women, I said, for mm-hmm. my wife, she goes into like a unisex bathroom. There's pee all over the toilet. The girls don't want it. They have to kind of hover over it. Like, so w- women have their own problems. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Honestly, though, I feel like I'm comfortable with the idea of sitting to pee in my house, but standing to pee out in public because yeah. that's a whole other set of problems. If you want your, uh, ah, see, I pulled back it. there. You, you want your rear end touching where a bunch of other naked rear ends have been uh, because I think generally speaking women don't sit with their cheeks on the thing they hover over the top of it right like they're you know which is another reason it's good to do squats so you have strength to your to stand over a, a gas station bathroom <laughs> gross. gross you said something very briefly that uh, I would like to touch on okay if we're done talking about this topic we are and that's what you said uh, you said that Halen I uh, she might have said that and I'll give you that yeah. um briefly touch on uh <laughs> When Halen uh, caught you peeing, and she's like, "Dad, you're peeing," and you're like, "Shh!" And like, "Why are you saying shh?" <laughs> like when kids catch you saying, doing stuff. So yesterday was Columbus Day, which let's not get into why are we celebrating Christopher Columbus. He's kind of a huge piece of s. But uh, <laughs> we, I decided to take my kids to the State Fair of Texas. I go to the, I, I go to the fair every year. It's in Dallas here. It's not far, and it's always been a kind of a tradition with my dad. And so I'm like, oh, well, we don't have to. We'll take them both on Columbus Day because they don't, you know, Jason's in second grade. He didn't get time off for it. So we drive all the way down over there. We're supposed to meet my dad at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm not kidding when I tell you every parking space was gone because they had closed off every single parking lot. Oh, like I, you were just and being sarcastic? Like you were being. No, literal. I'm dead serious. And they funneled you, if you're familiar with the area, they funneled, if you came in from like, the south end of the park, they funneled you like kind of uh, west on Fitzhugh past all the parking lots, but they didn't allow you to turn around. You just had to keep going for like two miles and then you turn at the light 
at and uh, try again at Haskell and drive all the way back through. That, no, they were. It was basically like, a, "Hey, you're screwed, uh, but we have no place to put you, so we're just going to divert you around the streets all oh. afternoon." And uh, so while we're trying to get through all of this, uh, I'm raging, Mark Rogers style, and I'm like <laughs> punching the steering wheel. And this guy in front of me is not paying a lick of attention. He's on his phone, and I yell, "Get off your effing phone!" Oh, and uh, my youngest one, and I never swear around them, but my youngest one was like, you said a bad word. <laughs> and I was like, trying to play it off. And I was like, phone is not a bad word. Phone is an okay word. And he's like, no, the oh, other word. oh, okay. Phone <laughs> is a good word. I'm like, ah, I feel like maybe I've convinced you that I didn't just I think, blow out an F-bomb like at a thousand decibels an inch from your face. I think your impersonation of your son's is one of my <laughs> favorite things. See, Colt says that too. Uh, my older son, Jason, is very uh, analytical. Uh, He's very, it's like, oh, let us talk about dinosaurs. Uh, this dinosaur eats meat and it's from the Triassic period. And then Ryan is the complete opposite and he says like, no, 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 no. Why is that car red? And I'm like, <laughs> like that's a stupid question, son. Why is that car red? Because it's red. I don't know. What kind of, what are you trying to do to be here, Nietzsche? <laughs> you sound like Zach. <laughs> he does that. sound like Zach when he was a kid, right, my cousin right, Zach. Right, right, right. Oh, man. Um, quickly, can we do a, a cop corner? Just yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't done one of these in forever. Well, I, don't, I don't know if you remember uh, on the, te- the group thread that we're in that I mentioned that I called 911 last yes. week so yeah so I, like we're i i go uh deliver one of the, my wife's bajillions of shirts that she has sold and she, we just sold a whole bunch more uh the world's okay mom thing and and it was in you know north 10th and like no one will know this except for rick so like but yeah this may give you context it's like north 10th and like grape god did oh, she get shot while she well, was over there so i know it was did me she buy, was she going over there to buy some crack no too? it was she wasn't with me it was me with with Oh, it was you? With my two-year-old son and my four-year-old daughter. Well, did you buy some crack while you were over there? I did. I did. Oh, it was delicious? I turned down... (laughs) It was. I turned down the street and just sort of randomly. I didn't even get out to Grape. It was one of those other streets. I was just going down the neighborhood or something. And these two people were walking towards me. One was a man with no shirt. He was not doing deadlifts, so I had no reason to stop and and say, Hey, man, what's up? I do this, too. (laughs) Well, make a long story short, as I get closer to them, I realize that he is like sort of walk running chasing her and she is crying and like obviously frightened right so hmm. I, so i call 911 just to say you know make sure this thing doesn't get out of hand they ask where i am blah 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 she says an suv police cruiser is in the area it's going to come by well of course me being the son of my mom the most curious person on the planet i loop back around to see you know, like, hmm. what's going on? Seems like a good plan. Yeah, so I see this a, a police car, not an SUV, like a regular Abilene police car, and the woman is there, uh, no sign of the man, and the woman is handcuffed. <laughs> is that, I mean, is that standard procedure, or did she maybe have drugs on her body? I don't know. There's a thousand ways that could have gone. He could have been chasing after her because she, like, kicked him in the balls or something, and she went to jail for, like, domestic violence. There literally could be a thousand different ways that could have gone. He wasn't running, so maybe that maybe that was what happened. That's why he's speed walking. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to tell. So I mean, that's not like, you know, that, okay, there's a domestic disturbance. Oh, it, we're no, gonna, like, we're if you just got beat up by your husband, here, let me throw you in handcuffs. Well, no, no not, that is not standard operating well, procedure. Well, I didn't know if it was, like, before we figure out what's going on, we're going to put both parties in handcuffs. Yeah, and then, not, I mean, if, if, if everyone's flipping out and you're worried that it's going to get out of control yeah. and maybe, but I haven't done that whole like, all right, everyone's going in handcuffs till we figure this out. I haven't done that in years. I mean, that's usually I'm pretty, pretty okay. good at like, it just seemed weird. De-escalation was, techniques yeah. where I don't have to 
start handcuffing people left and right. Because as you know, I felt like I was, you know, doing her a service, and then it turns out that she was the criminal. You're the snitch. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna find out who this was, and I'm <laughs> going to call her and be like, "Hey, the guy's name is Mark Rogers, <laughs> and here's his address, and here's his phone number." Oh man! <laughs> Give me fifty dollars. I'll I was, go burn his house. Down. <laughs> fifty dollars. He's like, if you pay me more than I've made as the co-host. <laughs> You just have to top yeah. my simple human salary, career earnings of fifty dollars and one Genghis Grill bowl. Eighty-seven thirty-eight. All right. Um, well, let's get to our interview with Dr. Judson Brewer. And as I say in the intro, this is one of those that I just I read a lot of stuff about mindfulness and meditation studies. He's been quoted in a couple of different articles that I saw. So it's like, hey, what the heck? It's not one of these that like I how I used to find guests is I would listen to other podcasts. And, then and steal read, their guests. And steal their guests. Well, now I'm like trying to find my own guests. And so... By the way, that reminds me. I need to Google what Google alerts mean. You keep saying oh, that, and yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, so. it's me. We'll talk about it off air. But uh, yeah, Google alerts are great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so let's just get to it. SimplyHumanLifestyle.com is the website. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, and Periscope, at SimplyHuman52. I did a Periscope of me making like my pre-shift uh, post-workout shake. I'm going to start that, by the way, tomorrow for everyone who's listening. And if you uh, don't know what the heck we're talking about, go to the website, simplylifestyle.com, click on the alt ship banner, and buy the book. It's that easy. It, yeah, and it's and there's a ton it. of people having crazy good like uh, results from it, and if you're worried about, oh, you said to eat simply human foods, but now you're doing this. This is not gimmicky. This is not a get, get skinny quick scheme. This is good human foods, just it, it matters when you eat them and how you eat them. So buy the book, and and uh, and enjoy it. I'm starting tomorrow, the 14th. I'm very excited. I'm about excited this. too to help you through it. Um, I've helped a lot of people get started on it. And it's been really fun. So, uh, and it's very sustainable. Maybe I can put my bad mega picture of my shirt off on Jason Sub's website, like you. <laughs> Shut up! Oh, I tried to hide. <laughs> I hid. I hid that from you for so long. Oh, man. I knew you would let me have it. Um, <laughs> go to the website and click on the store tab. There's all the stuff that we uh, uh, are, I guess, proponents of. Proponents of or advocating for all that. Things that will help you live your most human life. There you go. It's the vaguest statement ever, but I think you know what we're talking about if you listen to the show. Uh, so really cool conversation with uh, Judson Brewer. We talked to him today about, about uh, Google Alerts. About Google Alerts. I mentioned it. Uh, meditation, <laughs> breath awareness, uh, how stress affects the immune system, flow, awareness. We, we already talked about flow already uh, in this podcast. Awareness versus self-awareness, the making of Superman, treating mental illness, craving to quit, and mountain biking. Here is Dr. Brewer. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, uh, much like uh, a, a recent guest we had on, I have Google alerts set up, and one of them is meditation studies or brain health, uh, one of those two. I got a, uh, an article sent to me from Google, thanks Google, and Dr. Judson Brewer was, was quoted in this article, and it was very interesting, and so I, I looked his bio up and thought, man, this is somebody that we need to have on the show. So Dr. Judson Brewer is the director of research... Uh, at the Center for Mindfulness, and and I believe I'm correct on this, Dr. Brewer, that you have either gotten degrees from or worked at Washington University, Princeton, Yale, and MIT. Is that is that everything? Yes. I'm surprised you didn't run into me in the hallways of uh, Princeton and MIT. I'm in there, you know, all the time doing stuff, you know. Yeah, an impressive an impressive list there. But welcome to the show, Dr. Brewer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we'll start off. We're going to get into some mindfulness stuff and, uh, 
and, and uh, mindfulness-based interventions, things like that. But why don't you start off just telling us about yourself? How did you get uh, where you are today? You want from the very beginning? Let's start from <laughs> like a short story. Maybe when you were like start at conception and and go from there. Right. I uh, so rele- relevant to mindfulness. I'd actually uh, just graduated from Princeton and was starting medical school at Washington University in St. Louis and had gone through a, a relationship breakup and was having trouble sleeping. Uh, so somehow this John Kevinson book landed in my lap uh, called Full Catastrophe Living, and I started meditating uh, my first day of medical school. So that's how it, uh, meditation started for me. I was, you know, I was very interested in... Uh, doing research on how the how why we get sick when we get stressed out, and so that's why I was doing an MD PhD program was to uh, delve into some biological mechanisms there. And while I was I was in medical school and doing my PhD, I was you know just meditating on my own and finding that it was actually very, very helpful for me to um, not only not be as stressed out, but to be more focused and things like that. And uh, after a, about eight years of practice, I decided to shift my career from doing molecular biology research to studying mindfulness and meditation because I was finding that it was so helpful for me and I wanted to see what was going on. So when I started my residency training at Yale, I started doing uh, clinical studies with mindfulness training for addictions uh, to see if mindfulness could help people overcome these habits. And it was interesting because the the Buddhist psychologists were speaking the same type of language as my patients were, uh, who were struggling with addictions, and it seemed like that was too much of a irony. So I dove into that a bit more and started to learn how to do clinical studies, and found that mindfulness training was as good as gold standard treatment for cocaine and alcohol dependence, and then moved into looking to see if we could use mindfulness training to help people quit smoking and we found that it was twice as good as gold standard treatment and then got really interested in what was going on in the brain so started learning neuroimaging and we did a bunch of um, you know fMRI scans to measure brain activity and novice and experienced meditators and found that uh, when people are meditating that their default mode network in their brain, this brain network that gets activated when we're doing a bunch of self-referential things, you know, like when we're basically getting in our own way, uh, was very quiet uh, in experienced meditators compared to novices. So from there, we started studying if we could um, link that subjective experience with their brain activity using neurophenomenologic techniques and we're finding that we could actually link up brain activity with subjective experience basically in real time by using real-time neurofeedback. And then started, it got really interesting because people were starting into, you know, described states that were very subtle and we could measure brain activity while they were doing that. For example, even you know, we had one person get into flow uh, while she was in our scanner and we could measure, you know, a particular brain region that got really quiet uh, when she was in in flow, so that's the thirty second version. Mm-hmm. Man, that, there's so much there that I want to to get to. But let's start off, um, I guess, with the first question that popped in my head when you started. And what type of meditation? You said you practiced for eight years. What type of meditation 
were you doing? Were you focused on breathing? Were you like doing a, a, a I guess, were they using mantra? Or like, what's the, what, what, what was your sort of uh, initial exposure to meditation? I've been training in the inside meditation tradition where uh, mostly it's, there are several practices. One, it's breath awareness. So using breath awareness as a way to practice concentration or develop concentration. And then um, a loving kindness practice, which is helps with uh, self-judgment and judgment of others and kind of fostering this natural kindness that we all have. And then more of kind of open practices where anything is game as the object. It's called choiceless awareness, where whatever comes into your awareness becomes the object of meditation in that moment. Yeah. So those are the main things. I, I didn't, I've never really used the mantra meditation. So are those... Where did, where, where, did, where did you first get the idea? I know you said when you started meditating after the breakup, but where did you first, how did you first get turned on to this? Who was the person that introduced you to, hey, this can be, you know, a beneficial practice for your life? Yeah, it's a great question. I can't remember how that book landed in my lap. I really so it was from a book. I, I guess don't what was remember. the what was the name of the yeah, book? Yeah, I was reading. It was called Full Catastrophe Living. The uh, that John Kabat-Zinn wrote. Ironically, it's he was the one that founded the Center for Mindfulness. Oh, cool. You know, fast forward fifteen years or so, and now I work here. Wow! <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah, that's awesome. And it, and it, yeah. Well, actually, when I when girls used to break up with me, I would like I would just go throw up. That was my response, um, which is no surprise to our listeners or Rick. Um, that was, is not a surprise. Yeah, no. One other question: um, You mentioned at the beginning of your your research and your your studies, uh, you mentioned you know, you wanted to find out why we get sick when we're stressed. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like, and it always seems like. You don't get sick during finals. It's right after finals. You don't get sick during the big deadline, you know, uh, right before the deadline. It's always you get sick right after the deadline. So can you explain uh, some of that? Yeah, I wish I could explain what was going on there. That's why I went to graduate school, because I wanted to learn that (laughs) and understand it. Uh, We learned a little bit in mouse models about how stress affects the immune system, but we're pretty far off at least i'm pretty far off from understanding that answer yeah so like the way that i understand it and this is sort of kind of a thirty thousand foot view it's that is that there's something going on that is sort of breaking down the defenses that your immune system has that then when you're you're um i guess exposed to the pathogen or the or whatever it is you're more susceptible to it because your defenses are down is that is that pretty much a generic summary of it yeah i think that's good enough yeah Awesome. Um, cool. Well, let's let's talk about flow. And I know that's uh, something that you are you've already mentioned. You said you, you had some neurofeedback stuff when somebody was in flow and a part of their brain was quiet. Explain flow. What is it and why is it important? Well, it, I, there's some different definitions, but I think Mihai uh, Csikszentmihalyi is the one that's attributed with coming up with the term. You know, he uses several elements such as it's completely selfless so that there's no um, there's no self-awareness there's just awareness uh, that it's timeless it's effortless it's uh, generally joyful so you can think of it as a completely immersive experience to the point where uh, you can even think of it as the duality between self and other breaks down so you're there's no you there's no environment they're just is if you want to think of it that way so that's you know that's one definition or one way of conceptualizing it 
I think of it as, you know, basically we completely get out of our own way and we're so immersed in what we're doing that we're not thinking about ourselves. You know, like we're not thinking I'm doing this. It's, it's, there's just awareness of what's happening. Right. And, and what happens in the brain when you get into that state? I mean, are there a positive, you know, uh, benefits from that, that state of flow? Well, I think experientially people describe this as a, you know, like the most amazing experiences of their lives. And extreme sport athletes will go to great, they'll go to <laughs> extremes to, uh, to get into the state, often risking death, because that's the only way they know how to get into it. Because when you're right at the edge of death, you don't really have time to think about yourself. So, you know, that that's one way that people have have gotten into flow is to just kind of put themselves in a situation where they have no choice but to get out of their own way. Huh. Like jumping off I a think, big cliff or something with skis attached to your feet. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where, you know, that's where some people do this. There was a book, I think, The Making of Superman or something like that, where somebody was describing a bunch of different extreme athletes doing this type of thing. Cool. So what's going on in the brain, I think, is very early investigation. It seems that the default mode network, this network of brain regions that's self-referential, gets really quiet during flow. Um, but there are probably many other things going on as well, and you know, all of that still needs to be discovered. Huh. Man, that's fascinating that you know we've been studying the brain for, for many, many years, and it, it seems like, from what I understand, uh, there's just, we, we haven't even... It's like what we know about soil. Like we, you know, it's like we have so many things to, to discover about the soil. It's like oh, it's, it's just dirt. It's just out there, but it's just so complex, and even more so the brain. But, um, Doctor, what I'm most interested in with all this is you said you guys have had a lot of uh, you a lot of research into how you treat addictions uh, with mindfulness, and that it is just as good as the previously stated kind of gold standard of treatment. Can you talk more about that? That's really fascinating. Yes. Well, we did a clinical study where we randomized people to receive mindfulness training or the American Lung Association's Freedom from Smoking, which is a group therapy, uh, cognitive, basically cognitive behavioral therapy based. And we didn't even tell people what they were getting when they came into the study, so we, we could keep it nice and um, unbiased. And we gave them, you know, one or the other, they were, you know, they were randomized to one or the other, and then you know at the end of treatment, and then at four months later, we looked to see how many had quit smoking, and we had found that you know it was, it was twice as many had quit at the end of treatment in the mindfulness group, and then at the four month follow up, we had a differential of, of it was like about six times as many, so it was like thirty versus five percent, thirty one versus five percent. Yeah, and what we were finding anecdotally was that people were you know, doing what we were teaching them to do, which is to really pay attention to what it was like to smoke. Many people don't pay attention when they smoke because they're distracting themselves and, or they're reading something or they're looking at their phones. But when you just pay attention to the smoking itself, it you realize that it doesn't actually taste that good. Uh, we had a woman basically epitomize this by saying, you know, she said, mindful smoking, because we... You know, that was, that's the first thing we teach them to do, just pay attention. She said, oh, mindful smoking, it smells like stinky cheese and tastes like chemicals, yuck. <laughs> and so what she was realizing was that experientially in this moment when you smoke, it actually isn't that great. And that starts to build a disenchantment where you, you know, the spell of smoking starts to become broken. 
and that intrinsic or inherent motivation to quit smoking uh, can build because you don't have, it's not about convincing yourself to stop smoking. Everybody knows that it's bad for them. It's about meeting yourself where you are in any one moment. And it's usually, it's not an intellectual thing. It's about, oh, I'm stressed out and I have this urge to smoke. Well, if that, if that urge comes up and then you're like, well, last time I smoked, it tasted pretty crappy, then there's less of a motivation to smoke this time and then the next time yeah. and eventually that can die down and we can give them tools to learn to ride out the cravings as well because mindfulness is about paying attention to what the craving feels like in your body. And so you can break it down into tightness or tension or burning or clenching as compared to, oh my gosh, this is an unbearable craving I have to smoke. Yeah, it can, can the same thing be found with, um, like with food? Um, I, I think you, know, you get people that are addicted to food, and then one, but if you do a little mindful eating and realize, okay, after I eat this, I really, like it tasted good at the time, but I really don't feel all that great. Ooh, I, think we, I think we lost him. I think him. we lost him, yeah. yeah. Let me try and get him back. Your, your, your question was so terribly hung up on you. <laughs> that was actually the same question I was opening my mouth to ask. Really? Huh. Just well, in a much better way. We're soulmates. You and me. <laughs> Connected at the, where the legs connect. Wait, what? Hmm. Hopey. Hi there. There we Not go. Sure what happened. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Uh, so the question that uh, Rick said that my you you hated my question so much that you just hung up on me. You were so. Yeah, like, I, I no, don't have time for this. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that eating because we've been we had a person who was pilot testing. So we have an app now that's in clinical trials for smoking cessation because you can actually deliver this at you know to one's fingertips, which is really important for con because we learn to smoke in in a certain context, and so you can actually learn to unsmoke in that context and it might even be more helpful. And we had somebody pilot testing our scripts for the smoking app because this is delivered through videos and animations and in vivo exercises. And she noticed that she was changing her eating behavior based on our scripts. And I had this aha moment huh. and started to look at the literature and realized that the same addictive habit patterns for smoking were actually evolutionarily conserved ways to help us remember where food was. So we started looking into that, and I developed um, a program that's going to be called Eat Right Now, where we basically teach the same type of mindfulness techniques to help people work with stress eating, because emotional eating is so strongly linked to eating. A lot of people who stress eat a lot, which is most of us, I uh, can't even differentiate when they're stressed or hungry, uh, hungry anymore. Yeah. So the first thing you can do is train people to differentiate stress versus hunger and then learn to write out the stress cravings to eat and eat when they're hungry. Now let's talk about cravings a little bit because I just read a book about this. And from what I understand, cravings, that's what sort of drives the habit cycle, that there's a cue, there's a routine, and then there's a reward for that routine and that what drives yeah. that process is the craving. And so from what I understand, like, your, your cues are going to be your cues no matter what. I mean, if, if you're cued for smoking as well, it's, it's one o'clock. That's my cue. Well, you can't avoid one o'clock in the afternoon. The reward is, you know, something that maybe you're going to have to experiment a little bit to find out why, what is driving, you know, what are you getting after? Well, you know, what's, what's the thing that you're, you're seeking and then, but then changing the routine. Is that, is that kind of the, the, I don't know, the way that, that it's thought of in the mindfulness field? Yeah, I think that's a nice way to think of it. So I, if you think of what you're talking about is the cue 
or the trigger and then the behavior and then the reward. So think of the trigger, whether it's, let's say it's eating. So you have a, somebody, you know, say it's one o'clock in the afternoon and you usually eat a cupcake at one in the afternoon. So it comes to one o'clock you know, the, you, your brain sees the clock and says, oh, it's one o'clock. And then it has this urge to move into the behavior, which is to eat a cupcake. And then the reward is the cupcake tastes good or whatever. Well, if you notice that maybe you're obese from eating tons of cupcakes or you get a sugar rush and then you crash and you can't finish your work the rest of the day or you're sluggish or whatever, um, you can start paying attention just to that loop and you can start noticing the link between eating a cupcake and not finishing your work. So that reward becomes less enchanting. It's less of a draw because you see it's not as rewarding. You're seeing all the other things that come with it. And then when you see that, you can notice that trigger Notice what that feels like in your body. Just get curious about it. And turning attention toward the bodily sensations can be the new behavior. You're becoming mindful, basically. Right, you become right. mindful of the body as, as that new behavior. And then the reward, there's an inherent reward in curiosity, and there's also a reward in letting go. So in, when we're skillfully you know, restrain ourselves from eating a cupcake and we realize, oh, I don't need this cupcake, and... I actually feel better and work better without it. That's a reward. That re- yeah. yeah, that's an inherent reward that become that comes without the need to have something extrinsic like yeah. an like a cupcake. And and also the reward could be it's one o'clock. You get up and you go have a cupcake with other coworkers. So the reward may not be the taste of the cupcake. It might be the social interaction. So if you just Yep. got up and went and talked to somebody. So it's kind of doing some self-experimentation to find out what it is your brain is trying to to get at, um, which is all, yeah, it's all just super fascinating. It's uh, pretty crazy that, like, we're, that we're talking about how groundbreaking it is to paying attention how your body feels when you do X or Y or Z. But I'm serious, <laughs> it's a big problem because that's probably the biggest problem that I have is that I don't pay attention to how I feel when I eat this or how I feel when I do this. And so I, right. if I, that's probably the biggest struggle is something that should be the most simple thing. Yeah, and I think the, the term right. for that is mindlessness, right? So we're talking about mindfulness. Seriously, it's true. It's yeah. mindlessness. Yeah, absolutely. Mindlessly and most of us spend our body head walking like around. And he's disembodied head talking on a phone or, you know, like distracting ourselves from what's actually going on. I think that happens quite a bit. Yeah. So what are some of the ways um, that people can be aware? I know I have a friend who like repacks his own bullets and I think, I don't think he realizes it, but I think it, he enjoys doing it so much because it's this just sort of, he just kind of gets into like sort of this flow where he's just packing bullets doing the same thing. I mean, so, so what are some ways other than, you know, cause we have some people that are out there that they hear the word meditate and they're like, ah, I'm not going to meditate. That's, that's weird. But like, like what are some other ways that people can be uh, aware or mindful? Well, the funny thing is that this capacity to be aware is inherent and something that we all have. And right. it's just a matter of remembering it and kind of getting out of the way of trying to manipulate it or change it. So, we can be aware at any moment if we just stop and pay attention. And so I think there are several ways to do that. One is um, notice the urge to multitask. Put that urge aside and just pay attention to whatever you're doing in any one moment. So that's one way to just start sharpening our concentration skills on a single object, which is already a huge leap forward. No sitting down or 
holding hands or singing Kumbaya needed. Right. Uh, other ways are just, you know, if you're walking down the street or walking down the hall, you know, I was teaching this to the, the Yale women's golf team, um, is that, you know, you can walk from one class to another just paying attention, and so you don't need to add anything to your already busy day. You yeah. can just notice, and we can even give them cues to say, okay, notice whatever's most predominant in your experience in this moment, like from moment to moment. So if it's if you're seeing, you just note seeing. If you're hearing, you would just notice that you're hearing. If you're feeling your body moving, you would just note feeling. And if you're thinking, you would just note thinking. Yeah. And what these do or help us stay in the present moment as compared to being lost or distracted. And it, it's amazing how simple practices like that can be. You, you can do this when you're going to the bathroom. You can do this when you're brushing your teeth. You can just, you can do this anytime without adding anything to your day and without, you know, drawing strange looks from your coworkers. Yeah. And there's a, I mentioned it on the show before, but one of the great courses, um, deals is, is called practicing mindfulness and introduction to meditation by I'm not, and again i'm not sure how to say his name it's mark moose m-e-u-e-s-s-e and one of the things that he talks about in this course is is just, just like what you just said you can do mindful eating you can do mindful walking you can do mindful driving and he sort of walks you through the ways that to precisely do that you can do mindful sitting you can do mindful anything and i think i think that's a great point it's like we're not saying that you have to, well, you got to carve out 20 minutes in your busy day to sit on a gamden and hold prayer beads and all this stuff. It's like you can just be mindful as you're driving and just notice how your hands feel on the steering wheel and how your back feels against the deal. And when the person cuts you off, like how it feels to flip that person off with your middle finger and yell at them. Like, exactly. Which is what I do a lot. But uh, <laughs> Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I think maybe we've now solved the uh, our, mark our quest for living the simply human lifestyle. I think we're now come to an end. It's paying attention <laughs> to what you do and how it makes you feel, and doing things that are beneficial to you, and not doing things that aren't beneficial to you. So I guess uh, well, well, we, now time to end the podcast yeah, forever. We shouldn't have had him on because now we'd have nowhere else to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've solved all the world's problems. Good work. Well, you really did it. We just uh, put a microphone in front of you. It's really just no, 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 phone. Mark, Mark, don't sell us short. Me yeah. and you did this, and we just brought the doctor <laughs> along for the ride. I think. Well, okay. So before we're we're coming up on time, I just want to ask you a couple more questions. So, you you know, in some of your work, you know, you, you mentioned that a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. Um, God, isn't that the truth? Yeah, explain that. Why why is that the case? Yeah, I was quoting a study that was done at Harvard um, by a guy Matt. Hillingsworth and um, I think Dan Gilbert. And what they found was when they, they just randomly pinged people throughout the day uh, using their iPhones and asked them you know, what they were doing and how happy they were. And they found two things. One is that about 50% of the time we're not paying attention to what we're supposed to be paying attention to. And on average, we're unhappy. So when you're wandering to unhappy things, of course, you're going to report poor mood. And if you're wandering to neutral things, you're going to report, you know, less than um, happy mood. And, of course, you know, it makes sense when they're mind-wandering about the Hawaiian vacation. They feel a little bit better. Or they report this. But when you take those in aggregate, when you add them together, on average, people are unhappy. So uh, in, com- in comparison to just paying attention to what's going on right now. So it doesn't get much better than just paying attention to what's going on right now. Yeah, man, that is uh, that is great stuff. And like Rick said, I mean, that is the most simplified thing of all time. It's like it's kind of like the barefoot running thing I mentioned before. It's like that's not some sort of novel 
new innovation. I mean, that's just kind of like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to walk around barefoot is probably going to be good for you, you know, to do that a little bit. So doctor, do you have any like kind of, uh, any kind of hypothesis about how mindfulness and meditation might affect, I'm not talking like mental health, like, you know, typical people in their, their mental state, but I mean like mental illness, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, things like that. Do you have any kind of thoughts about how that, uh, you know, those might be effective therapies combined with medication and, uh, and counseling? Sure. So certainly, you know, as a psychiatrist who prescribes medications to patients, uh, medications can be helpful. Where mindfulness can also be helpful is where this, um, especially when we get caught up in thoughts of, you know, we regret things that we did in the past, we were about things that are going to happen in the future, or in the extreme case, if you think of depression, when people are ruminating over and over and over about the same thing, those things tend to make us well, depressed. So you can use mindfulness as a way to notice those thoughts, step out of those habit loops, and then not feed them. And there's great work showing that you can actually prevent relapse to depressive episodes by learning mindfulness in a a program called Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy. Excellent. Mark? You there yes. still? Yeah, sorry. That, okay. I uh, thought we lost you. Well, I, yeah, sorry. I had my. I was talking. It just helps when the volume is turned up. Yeah, I have to have your uh, microphone on. Yeah, there you go. Microphone on. Um, all right, well, Dr. Brewer, is there anything else before I ask you the final question? Anything else that you're, you know, particularly passionate about right now? Something that you've just uncovered in your research, or anything pressing that you would like to to share with our listeners? I think the the main thing is that I'm really excited about these app-based training programs like the Craving to Quit that I mentioned for the smoking cessation because these are probably the next generation for treatment where you can provide individualized, personalized treatment for people at at low cost because it's right at their fingertips and they can do it whenever they want to as compared to having to schedule an appointment with their therapist or go to a group. So that type of thing I'm really excited about. I'm assuming that stuff is is on the horizon. Is it something that people should be looking for now, or like looking for like in the next five, ten years, something like that? The well, we actually you can you can get a free version and a uh, like a free basic version of the Craving to Quit app now on the iTunes Store. We've had it up for a while. So it's, it's while called well, then, the clinical trials. Craving to Quit um, or, is the is the name of it. Cra- it's called Craving to Quit. Well, yeah, it's also in the, in the Android. And we hope to have the eating program up for testing very shortly for people to to try because, you know, research is great, but it's only helpful if it helps people in the real world. So we try to make this stuff available as quickly as possible. Yeah, let us know for sure. And I may touch base with you in the next couple of weeks. Whenever that's up and, and, you know, available, I'll let my listeners know. Hopefully we can get some people to to try that out and you'll have some some more... uh, case studies, if you will. Um, Great. Well, if they can smoke and they want to quit smoking, they can go for it right away. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, Doctor, we are we have come to the last question, and, uh, and it is this. What is something you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? I love to mountain bike. Sweet. Yeah, that's good. Any any crazy mountain bike crash stories that you have? Because most, most of them do. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the joke with my friends was if you know if you aren't bleeding, it's not a good ride. Right. Uh, so, so one serendipitous one. I mean, I've I've had some epic rides. Colorado is a fabulous place, and um, you know, had some great rides up in Alaska. Um, 
I was, I just gotten a new mountain bike when I was in graduate school and I, I play the violin and I was the, I was scheduled to play a, uh, several solos in a concert, uh, the following week. And I was just playing around with this new bike in the, um, city where there's a big city park, kind of like central park in St. Louis called forest park. I was going down this big, um, drop off and I flipped over my bars and fractured, dislocated my shoulder so that oh. I couldn't play in the concert the next weekend. So, oh, so here I was, you know, I'd gone on all these epic mountain bike rides, hadn't done anything crazy. And then I, I'm testing out my new bike in a, in a city park <laughs> and I, uh, I flip over my bars and dislocate my shoulder. That was Maybe you should have been a little bit more mindful about not crashing your bike. <laughs> huh, doctor? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. That's like, I had to get rescued by a snowmobile on a green slope once, uh, but that's a whole other story. We won't get into that. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Brewer, hang out for a second. I'm going to end the recording, but this has been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the Simple Human Podcast. Absolutely. Sure, my pleasure. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. All right. Thank you, Dr. Brewer. Um, anything we talked about, including a link to his TED Talk, uh, will be in the show notes. Uh, and it's, you know, pretty standard TED Talk as far as time goes. No more than 20 minutes, so they're always easy to pop in. And before you know it, it's over and you have learned something. So I, I'm surprised at how many people don't haven't heard about TED Talks. Hmm. It's, really? Yeah. Like you never heard of TED Talk? No. What? What? Like what rock are you living under that you don't know what? A I've TED never talk actually is? watched one, but I know what they are. Yeah. It's just. I mean, I, I, I've watched. Oh no, I have watched one about memorization when I was in the police academy. Yeah. Was it the one about um, the guy who? Like, I don't know. I didn't remember any of it, which is really ironic. <laughs> that was. Oh man, that should be the end. Remember. Um, okay. <laughs> so, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you are feeding yourself in the tip of the week. But before we do that, Doctor Pseudonym is a friend of mine who I has he has some really funny stories and this one is one that I hadn't heard and he I was gonna say his real name and he was like no this is so bad like you need to well and also speaking of that Chris Brandon who we've talked about before who's gonna be on the show he has one that like he told me a long time ago and you we all know the culture and the tone of the show he has a story that I'm like oh man I don't know like, it might be too much. It is. I, I'll have to tell you Ooh. that. It is unbelievably, horrifically gross. But No, no, no. Don't tell me. I want to hear it for the first time oh. before the show. Okay. All right. Well, uh, here's... Oh, I almost said his real name. Here's Dr. Pseudonym. Here's Dr. Smith. Here's oh, let's well, <laughs> not call him that. There's Dr. John S. <laughs> Joining us, as mentioned in the intro, we have... Uh, and we're not going to say what kind of doctor is it a medical I, the medical doctor I don't know is it a PhD I, no one knows there is a there is an element of mystery here we're going to call this person Doctor Pseudonym and I know that Doctor Pseudonym has has many funny stories uh, because we are friends and I have heard some of these stories whoa I'm friends with a doctor look at Mark <laughs> Rogers over here add that to the ragging montage <laughs> and I I texted Doctor Pseudonym. And, and, and doctor, if I actually, if I use your real name, I will go back and bleep it out. Cause I've almost done it about eight times already. Um, right. I, I texted him yesterday saying, Hey, I need you to tell one of your stories. And he said, I have one, but you can't use my real name. And so I was like, bingo. That's a setup for the perfect humans being human story, by the way. If someone's so embarrassed and they're like, I cannot attach my real name to this, then that's perfect for what we're looking for. All right. So the floor is yours, doctor. Oh, I mean, I have I have a couple of stories. Yes, one one's not so embarrassing. The other one, 
reason I really need to be protected is more to protect my wife because she's highly involved in in the second story. Oh. She pooped her pants. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the first story is yes. I I'll go ahead and say I'm a medical doctor. So the other a couple weekends ago, I was at the hospital seeing patients, feeling a little gassy, and so I tried to keep that in. Didn't want to, you know, harm my patients with that. And so it was early on a Sunday morning. Not a lot of people at the hospital, and so. I'm going to leave, and I get on an empty elevator, and so I think this is my yeah. my chance to to give myself a little relief. And you're so, feeling you're feeling pretty confident. There's no one. It's a Sunday. Not many people. Not much traffic uh, at the hospital. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone else hardly. You know, and so <laughs> I I let some out, and immediately <laughs> like two things happen. One, I immediately realized like this is not your ordinary fart like this is this is bad news it's a good thing i'm at the hospital kind of fart like i might need to go get my stuff checked out yeah i might need to go straight to the gi lab (laughs) the other thing that immediately happens is the elevator stops oh my gosh poor little lady who normally delivers cafeteria food to patients walks into the suddenly small and poorly ventilated elevator <laughs> with like the and, carpeted uh, walls yeah yeah so she walks in she like kind of mildly contorts her nose and face and looks a little bit painful and, and she apologizes she's like oh oh excuse me i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> like she just inter- interrupted some private moment which she sort of had you know so I thought you meant point, she was taking ownership of this, like, oh, yeah, that's right, lady, quit sticking up my elevator, you idiot. <laughs> Maybe she was. Maybe I should have got at that angle, but I wasn't yeah. quick enough. You're like, oh, so, I, do not ap- I do not accept your apology. I am, I am a doctor, ma'am. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Unfortunately, I saw my name tag on, so she will forever know that <laughs> Dr. Pseudonym is the doctor who farts in elevators. Well, so. and it's... Have you- have you ever like been caught in that particular situation? Like you, someone rounds a corner, gets on an elevator, you farted on, and then you're like, "What do I do?" And just like make this face, like, "Man, what is that smell?" Yeah. Like, look at your shoes, like you maybe stepped in dog crap or something. Yeah, that's probably my go-to the- move if I'm ever caught in something like that. Is like, "Oh man, there's something like there's a rotten, there's like a dead mouse up above here or something." Yeah. I don't know what that is. I think yeah, the dead mouth story is always believable. The, the so. grocery, like that happens at the grocery store. I'll be like, you know, looking for something at the grocery store on one of the aisles. No, there will be no one on the aisle, and I'll let one out, and then someone will immediately come down the aisle, and then it's like you just have to turn and run. But then it's like they saw you just standing there, and they walk over to the like canned tomatoes, and they're like, oh my god, what the heck happened? One of these canned tomatoes is filled with Indian food. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, the other the other the other terrible places is like in an airplane. You're gonna like let one out in an airplane, and like there's there's no. See, I feel like everybody on an airplane, like that should be kind of like a zone where you go, hey, you know what? We're all going to the same place, and no one can get off, and no one can go anywhere. And if you're on an airplane long enough, like if you're flying from here to Australia, odds are everybody on that airplane is gonna have to take a crap at some point <laughs> or another. And so everyone kind of needs to enter like this pinky pact of like, hey, listen. What goes on on the airplane, Stays like, on we're the not going to judge anybody here. Like, uh, you do what you got to do because we're on here for a really long time. Everybody farts. Okay. No, no shame on yeah. the airport. All right. Airplane. So, Dr. Pseudonym, uh, it is now time for your climactic story. Is that yeah, this, how we put it? This is the climactic story. So, I was... Involving your wife. 20, 
involving my wife, my, my brand new wife. I was 22. We got married very young. So we were honeymooning in Cancun. Yes. So there are, there are obvious things you look forward to on your honeymoon. All-inclusive all margaritas. After that, the yes. thing that I was really looking forward to was this jet ski excursion that I had planned where yes. you jet ski out to this coral reef and then you're going to snorkel and then you're going to jet ski back. And so I've been looking forward to this. And so my wife and I get on this jet ski and there's a guy that he takes you out and um, there's about six other couples. You kind of have to stick with the group. And so we'll put on the jet ski, maybe like three minutes. And my wife's straddling me from behind, you know, hey, and so on the mm. jet ski. Talks lower. Starts telling me, Man, you know, my stomach's really starting to cramp. Like, oh, no. Wait, she is saying this? Out, you, like, I'm, she's like, I'm, I'm going to have diarrhea. Like, oh I've God. got to go. I'm like, there's nowhere for you to go. And so I come up with this plan. There's the ocean, like, okay. the greatest toilet yeah. on, on the planet. <laughs> yeah, so that's my plan. I'm like, okay, we're about to stop and snorkel. Oh, and we snorkel, God. like, swim off by yourself, do your business. You Make know, it look like back. an octopus is inking all over the place over there. Yeah. There's a lot of octopus in Cancun. You're going to be just fine. So, um, I scared so the goes, crap out of an octopus. She goes off by herself, and then she comes back to get on the jet ski. I'm like, are you good? She's like, no, I couldn't go. I couldn't swim and go at the same time. So I'm like, rookie, rookie. we are in trouble. So we start heading back. And we can start to see the dock where we're going to stop. And I can hear, like, whispering in my ear, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Well, the last second, right before we get to the dock, the guy, like, turns and takes us back out to the ocean. Oh. And I hear this, like, sad sigh, and then <laughs> it happens. No! Oh, the jet ski? My, my wife of five days diarrhea <laughs> on me. <laughs> When you're sliding into first and you're feeling something burst, <laughs> diarrhea. Cha -cha -cha. Oh, diarrhea. Well, it would have been better if she had been like straddling you, like facing you. I think that would have probably been better. Yeah, there's no good position to diarrhea on your new spouse, but especially not looking when your eyes are locked on each other. At least she can be like, I didn't see his face. Maybe he didn't notice that I cracked all over Oh, it's like the Dumb and Dumber. He's like, just go, man. <laughs> like, I didn't Were you diarrhea. seriously at that point like, all right, well, I feel like that's grounds oh, yeah. for an I old annulment. Yeah. Yeah, I might as well get it over with. I guess it was bound to happen at some point. Might as well be five days in. So. No, nope, oh, it's man. not totally not. I've been married for almost 11 years, and uh, she has not crapped on me yet. I've not crapped really? on Really? Yeah. We are, uh... My wife told me everyone does that. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, it's like when she tells you that night, she's like, hey, it, it, might, it happens to all of us. It so. happens to everyone. everyone. I'll crap on you, and then the other thing happens too, so... <laughs> and so, you know, we went, we got back to the hotel. It was all inclusive. I had like six margaritas. Did, did it include like a bunch of butt wipes and stuff? <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> really single ply toilet paper. Is about all <laughs> oh my God. So hold on. Okay. I have this one more question. Follow up question. Did the, that swimsuit get thrown away or did oh, you just wash mercy. it and reuse it? <laughs> I think the swimsuit was burned in Cancun. I don't okay. think it was allowed back in the States. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is amazing. I will post a picture of your wife's uh, uh, face uh, in the show notes and put it on Facebook and, and then say, you, you can draw like a, 
It photoshopped your diary all over it. Yeah. yeah. I uh, did get her permission, though, so she uh, she knows this is... There's only, like, four people that know this story, so it's kind well, of a big deal. Well, now there's, so like, 11, great. because everyone who listens to the show's heard it, so now it's almost going to double. But well, there's gonna, Tell her she's a very good sport for allowing be, us to, to, to have fun with her uh, at her expense. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, right, well, hang on for just a second. I'm going to stop the recording. Idiot! You used but, his name! <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Pseudonym. That was something. We don't know. We haven't recorded yet, exactly so we don't know. What. Yeah. All right. It is Let's now- say it is funny-ish. Yes. Hopefully it will be amazing. By the uh, way, if you, listener, fellow human, have a humans being human mm-hmm. story, we need you. We need you to email your story to us. We need you to be on the show. Yes. This is the hardest part to fill. Every week we have everything filled, and every week we're like, crap, what are we going to do for humans being well, human? And I, and I will say, like, some of them don't email you as well, but we are finally at the point where we can say, like, we're, we've always said, if you email us, we'll tell your story because we don't have many. Like, we're finally at that point where we're like, we can kind of, you may, can choose. yeah, your, your story may not be on because we have, we've had, like, like since we, we had the last one, we've had a dozen or so people send some pretty good stories. So we've got all those. Well, continue can. to send yes. them. But yeah, and, uh, we, want... we would like to have you on the program, uh, program. which program, yeah. which would be great. So email them to simply human lifestyle at gmail.com. It's Mark. And I am simply human Rick at gmail.com. And we will uh, work something out. If your story doesn't suck, make sure that's an R in there and not a D on Rick's, um, email. Simply human. Are you done? Are you finished? Right, here we go. Ah, it is now time for the tip of the week. <laughs> Something you can start doing today to be a more healthy human. And this is from, man, I'm going to butcher. It's from a man, huh? This is this is I'm gonna. This is a pretty funny name. This is a fake name. Thick Nat Han. That is definitely not a name. <laughs> T H I C H. He's probably like some famous person that everyone's gonna be like, "How dare you talk about thick non han about that?" So it's T H I C H N H A T H A N H. Thick not hat. And this is a book called, or a book, or a paper, or something called Silence. Okay, and it's so. He, listen, sensory food is what we take in with our senses in our mind. Everything we see, smell, touch, taste, and hear. External noise falls into this category, such as conversations, entertainment, music. What we read, the information we absorb, is sensory food. Perhaps even more than edible food, the sensory food we consume affects how we feel. And so, basically, that quote is, and we talked about this, like when we were talking about TED Talks in the hot dog segment. Um, you know, what what are you consuming? What are you reading? What are you spending your time? You know, are you spending your time like rolling through your Facebook newsfeed, or are you trying yes. to, to read things that are going to help you become smarter? Are you trying to learn stuff? Are you filling your brain with a bunch of junk? You know, because just just like think about food. If you fill your body with junk food, you're not gonna. That's gonna be a negative effect, right? So filling. Well, your- I think this goes really hand in hand with our conversation today about mindfulness, yes. like. We talk about, and I've been thinking, actually, we recorded that conversation a few hours ago, and I've been thinking a lot about it since then, and it goes kind of in line with what I say, like, you need to be intentional about your life, you need to, don't do things by accident, do them with a purpose, and do, you know, cultivate relationships purposely, uh, do things for people that you like purposefully, well, that goes in the same way of being mindful, and that goes in the same way of being mindful about what you're taking in, uh, and, you know, in terms of, you know, what you're seeing, what you're listening to, what you're reading, things like that. 
Yeah, and uh, and one of the things that uh, again, uh, Brian Johnson, Philosopher's Notes. I've reached out to them. He is really busy right now, and and we got to know he's really busy writing content for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, he's busy trying to figure out how to stop me from stealing his content. Um, but he has this this thing. It's like. Okay, over the last 72 hours, these conversations, entertainment, and music nourished my soul and, like, write it down. And, like, you know, have, do that. Or, or, or then he's got, like, over the last 72 hours, these conversations, entertainment, music did not nourish my soul. And kind of like what you said, like, kind of being mindful about, okay, what is nourishing to me and what is sort of, like, pointless or I'm not really, you know, furthering myself with X, X, X. Um, <laughs> and then, like, are you eating? <laughs> then, are you, Took me are, a half a second. I'm like, oh, that's me. You're talking. He's talking about me. Okay. <laughs> and then, like, are you eating more whole foods, refined foods? Notice any opportunities for optimization. So, uh, I guess the tip of the week is nourish yourself with what you consume, both uh, f- uh, literally and figuratively. There is your tip. There you go. Uh, the week. All right. Um, Coming up on the Simply Human podcast, we have a doctor, and well, almost doctor. She's a doctoral student, Jessie Deitch. Uh, she's from California, but is at UNT now. She is an insomnia and sleep expert. We actually, already oh have, my gosh, yeah. I need to talk to her. Like I know now. it was great. I, I asked some. We mentioned you in the podcast or in the in the, in the interview. Uh, that's coming up next time. Then uh, that'll be episode ninety nine, episode one hundred. Drum roll, please. Mark Sisson will be on the show. That we is, are not kidding. This yeah. is not like the Hulk Hogan yeah. uh, shack. <laughs> this is not a bit. We actually, and it, I would like to take credit, I gave Mark the idea to reach out to yes. Mark Sisson, so thank you. Thank you very much. Gary Taubes, but, uh, Gary Taubes has said no again, but he's always very polite and is, oh, is very No, nice. your show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard your show and it's terrible. Like Gary Taubes <laughs> listen to the show. But like uh, Mark Sisson will be a guest on show number 100, which is yeah, pretty big. Pretty awesome. We're very excited about that. Very excited about that, as, uh, and, uh, and that will be greatness. And that'll, let's see, this is on the 14th. That'll be October 28th. And then we have, mm. we're booked out until November 28th. My brother-in-law and his business partners, the guy that owns the gym with him, they're going to come on and talk, uh, you know. Talk about why neither one of them ever wears shirts. <laughs> like, like n- none of anything they say will apply to any of us because they're just yeah. like in a different. So here's what it's like uh, feeling like a superhero with no clothes on yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh man, that must be nice. All right, well, uh, go to the website <laughs> simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope at simplyhuman52. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Good or bad, any publicity is good publicity. Thanks for listening. We know there's a lot of things that you could be doing right now. Thanks for making us part of your day. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember, my wife of five days diarrhea <laughs> on me. <laughs> when you're sliding into first and you're feeling something burst, diarrhea. So until next time, enjoy yourself. <laughs>